It's me, Dale Shiver, your host through the deep night. The 4 a.m. hour of regrets and revelations is upon us, and you are listening to another episode of Dale Radio, coming to you, as always, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. I will say this. The Gowanus has a strong brand. Now a murky, horrible-smelling little half-river that once fostered cheap rents in the frequent rat carcass was probably always going to become a desirable place for the mega-rich. It has a compelling narrative and only one direction to head in, which is usually up and by about four feet whenever there's a heavy rainstorm. Step lively! But Gowanus, come on. Even Chief Gowani knew he was onto something when he proposed that name to the tribal elders. They wanted to name him Mudlegs or Black Mayonnaise or Vile Muckbottom. But he wisely chose the enigmatic and evocative Gowanus. It's a name that still sounds gross and a little bit like something uh, that you'd get stuck in, but it has a certain pungent beauty to it as well, doesn't it? Just the word. Like, I could buy a condo there someday. Our guest today has a solid brand, too, and that we got into that. We talked about that a little bit. What's in a name? Though a case of mistaken identity led him to his nickname, Chris Shockwave Sullivan stands out as a unique and vital talent in New York. He has carved a bright and wonderful path through the very heart of all that is exciting and dynamic in the city's cultural life. He's a musician, a beatboxer, a podcast host, improviser, a raconteur, and a deep thinker about the way we communicate. In our talk today, we get into his background in comedy and improv in Massachusetts and then here in New York. We talk a little bit about Hamilton, which, look, I'll be honest with you, I still haven't seen, right? It's a... Here's the deal. You know when something just gets so popular, it has the adverse effect of making you less uh, uh, interested in seeing it. At least that happens for me. Like everyone is posting a video of a lady laughing in a Chewbacca mask, and I think, well, I'm not sure that's for me, (laughs) but thank you. And then, uh, you know, though I am uh, at at once uh, repulsed by its uh, popular thrust, I, I come around And uh, probably when I see Hamilton, it'll be just like uh, what happened for me with the Chewbacca lady. And I'll end up laughing and watching it, loving it all the way through multiple times. I came late to Harry Potter, came late to the Marvel Universe, late to get on board how bad the Iraq War was going to be. And only recently have I come to accept that children are not monsters. So we all come around. Don't hate the holdouts. We're just busy not making it onto the 50 funniest comedians in Brooklyn list for the eighth year in a row. All to say, I'm sure Hamilton is every bit as terrific as everybody says it is. I know that Shockwave is terrific, and Freestyle Love Supreme certainly is as well. Now, I'm fond of Shockwave, as you can tell, and I enjoyed our conversation immensely. And, uh, you know, if you get him near a mic, well, he's going to start making beats. And I'm thrilled that in addition to the theme song that you've heard at the beginning of every show this season... 
that Shockwave was able to do some freestyling that we use throughout the show today. So now, my talk with Chris Shockwave Sullivan. Chris Shockwave Sullivan. I love it. How are you? That's me. <laughs> it's so great. Happy belated birthday. Thank you. I know you recently celebrated. It was a good one for you. It was nice, yes. Happy you, belated. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you had multiple parties, <laughs> raging fires and things. Yeah. That's how we do it, you know? Uh, it's fantastic. Are you comfortable aging in general? You know, it comes to a point where you have to be comfortable, and, uh, you know, time sorts that out for you. So <laughs> It certainly does. You know? Well, I was doing a little research for this program and our talk today, and I was watching your reels and the many videos that you have out there. So youthful. Oh, yeah. So youthful, still Just to this day. Keep, keep, them, keep them guessing. <laughs> a lot of nice fashion choices, too. Some uh, good haircuts yeah. over the years. Yeah, right now I'm trying to, I'm, I'm contemplating this beard, whether or not yeah. it's going to be. But I always have the timing wrong because summer's right around the corner. And oh, yeah. Here I am putting, it's on not a, so bad. A, putting on a built-in scarf. You know what it does? If you go in the pool, it retains water. Yeah, there we go. You can just really cool the neck off. Yeah, and then it evaporates and pulls the heat out, and then you're cooler than everyone else. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, you're so uh, uh, youthful and full of life, mm. and you've done so much, mm. and uh, you've uh, you got to feel good about that. You yeah. performed with Common, yeah, uh, Samantha B, uh-huh. Daily Show, Today Show, part of the Electric Company, mm-hmm. not, the, not Con Ed. But the television yeah, program. Yet. Let's see where my aging brings me. <laughs> Lack and of work. <laughs> I have to sometimes remind myself that I'm doing okay with my uh, very popular four wax commercials that are running online. So thirsty. Selling. The, oh the, yeah, that's, that's that the, the catchphrase. The, yes, it's a wood thirst quencher. Yes, is how they do it. Um, wood does get thirsty. It does. You yeah. got to take care of mm-hmm. it. It's very thirsty. I imagine of, you now get a uh, lifetime supply. My floors are so shiny. Yeah. It's fantastic. And you can use it as mouthwash, too. Oh, that's great. Which I discovered accidentally. So thirsty. (laughs) Shockwave, thank you for making our Season 8 theme song as well. Oh, yes. I'm glad you're still using it. Oh, am I? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I put it in there as much as I can. (laughs) Uh, It always sets the mood. And, you know, it's a a wonderful take on that old chestnut. Sometimes I hear people humming it on the subway. That's great. That means I've done the right thing. You've done the right thing. Now, the, the name Shockwave. Mm-hmm. Of course, whenever I hear that, I think of the Transformers. That's actually what I was named after. Really? Yeah. He's my favorite Transformer. Did you know that? Yeah. Well, the the funny story is that I was incorrectly named because the name Shockwave had come to mind, but the Transformer that was intended, yeah. it was Soundwave. That's right. And Soundwave is uh, a little Transformer that goes into a uh, cassette tape and busts out tunes. So I was in an improv comedy group in UMass Amherst, Mission Improvable. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, it's a good name. It's And that name has lived on because these, the guys who started that have gone to uh, Chicago to start a theater and a touring company, et cetera, et cetera. Anyways, so, you know, we all get hammy names that are sort of like we are um, – uh, hazed into the group with a nickname, a stage name. And so I was making some sounds on the microphone, and someone was like, boom, you are Shockwave. And so that stuck throughout all these years. But I will I will make a minor correction, mm-hmm. uh, if I recall. Uh, you said he turns, transforms into a cassette tape, mm-hmm. but I believe he transforms into a little boombox. I think there's another Transformer that does. Should we get Google up? Um, <laughs> but you might, yeah, I mean, you might be I correct, think. too. Soundwave Because there is a boombox, and there's also cassette tapes. So I think that yes. Soundwave was and a cassette Then you'd tape. have Ravager, 
uh, maybe Rampage. Oh, so you know your you know might everything. be yeah. put inside of a okay. Sound wave. So that's what it is. So Soundwave is Shockwave is the boombox. I believe turned into a cannon. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he was like a, a monitor of Cybertron. Yeah, I believe he was a Decepticon. <laughs> Not to go too deep in it, <laughs> but I love the Shockwave. I like Soundwave, Do too. Do you love the Shockwave? You also know what Shockwave also means, right? No, what is well, it? Well, it's kind of a- A sex thing? It's a two-finger and a two, two in the pink, one in the stink kind of thing. So, <laughs> oh, my. You know, I'm glad it was named after the Transformer, not the Transform-Her. <laughs> that wasn't named after you. <laughs> oh, my. Well, I'm glad to know that little piece of history. Uh, we've done a few things together, mm-hmm. but we've not had the chance to sit down and, and uh, hash it all out. Yeah, here we are. Isn't that the wonderful thing about podcasts, though? It is the wonderful, wonderful thing about podcasts. <laughs> to name our yeah. show that we did. And uh, the show that you have, though, is called Shock and Awesome. It is, yes. And I, and I agree with you. It's a really nice opportunity to have an hour with somebody. Right. And uh, you normally don't sit and talk with anybody for an hour, even if they're a good friend of yours. They they come in spurts, and now right. you can really get to the bottom of things. That's right. Yeah. And you've been doing that for yeah. how how long has your show been up? Um, probably since last October or November. And um, yeah, shocking, awesome. It's um, been pretty awesome. It's a lot of work, though. So I I empathize with you. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a lot of work. Yeah, gosh, imagine seven years in, but uh, it's a great show, and I recommend that people listen to it. Um, the thing I love too is I, I I feel like this is the focus, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you get a lot, you hone in on musical theater, as well as these great talents who are really shaping the future. They, these are all the next generation of stars. Some of them stars now, mm-hmm. hitting now, but it's really this wonderful swath of talent that's out there yeah. that you're talking to and having these great conversations. Yeah, and, and sort of above and beyond musical theater, just more to, more so music in general. So I've had yes. music producers on and music directors of theater and rappers and ukulele players and you know, from all over the map. So it's the diversity of the program reflects the diversity of people I've performed with through the years. Yeah. So maybe I should say musical performers. Yeah. In yeah, mo- most so. yeah. mostly. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. And I'll soon be making a shift as well as in, uh, to include other awesome talents as well. So I, I see. I'm in the um, construction phase of how to work music into that. Well, these things evolve. Yeah. Too, and you mm-hmm. you you find things are happening. As you do them, and some friends of this program have been on your show, Molly Pope mm-hmm. and uh, Andrew Bancroft, of course, Ashley Perez Flanagan. Mm-hmm. What, what Lady a, Rizzo as well, right? Lady yeah. Rizzo, that's correct. And uh, your pals from Hamilton, mm-hmm. Lin-Manuel mm-hmm. and... Uh, Alex okay. Lackamore was on it. He's the musical director. Yeah. We did a really fun thing where uh, The Room Where It Happens, one of their you know famous songs from the show, we recorded the podcast episode in Alex's studio where he uh, mixed the room where it happens. So we did a director's cut of sorts of the song in the room where it happens, of the room where it happens. Wow. That's, a, that's like a, a little Alvin Lucier oh, it was great. sitting in a room talking. Yeah, I mean, exactly, back whoever and those forth. are. Yeah. <laughs> you know him? Uh, no, I'd like to have him on my podcast, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's great. We had an old-time experimental uh Musician and he he did a recording that's oh, called yeah? "I'm Sitting in a Room" and it just he says it and then it comes processed back and it keeps going so it's like a I don't know a seven hour CD it's one it. of these like John Cage exactly uh, yeah, yeah. he's a fantastic guy from another life but um, 
and you had a, a great talk with Wayne Brady mm-hmm. uh, not so long ago. You guys, your pals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've. Uh, it's nice. He, you know, he likes to freestyle rap, and so when you freestyle rap, you need a beat. So, <laughs> so he and I are. have worked together on um, several programs, and I, I did a thing with him on Kinky Boots when they were raising money for Broadway Cares, and um, some TV appearances. And uh, so it was really nice to kind of complete full circle. And a couple of days before he ended his run as Lola in Kinky Boots, I sat down with him in his dressing room and we talked about the, the his amazing role in the show and what's what's in store for the future for him. And his, uh, just his, his trajectory. And the fact, you see him on a TV or something. Yeah. Whose yeah. line is it anyway? One yeah. of these things. He's one of the, the most amazing talents, like, all around and also one of the most amazing um, guys, like, just yeah. the... His his energy, his positivity is overflowing. Yeah, yeah. and so incredibly quick. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. you know he's quick, yeah. and then you hear him do the things that he was doing on your show and other places. And you just, yeah. oh, my goodness, yeah. As are you, quick? I wouldn't say as quick as Brady, but <laughs> well, uh, I take that. I think you're close. How did the idea for the podcast start? Uh, you know, I've always wanted to do. Uh, initially, it was the idea of doing a talk show. Yeah. If I was uh, a talk show host, and I've done several shows throughout the past, um, produced at Ars Nova or um, through UCB or whatnot. I had a show that was called The Mixtape, which was all musical acts that bled into another one another. One another. So there'd be one, a piano player on stage doing an original song, and I would be accompanying them. And then the next musical guest would come on stage at the end of their show, and then they would blend and yeah. then the first artist would leave the stage, and then we'd go on to the second artist's original song. So uh, that was one show. So I've always done lots of things like that with music, and I was like, what would happen if I worked with all these people again on a uh, talk show? But it turned into a podcast, which makes more sense, which then may turn into a talk show someday. Who knows? <laughs> I could be my own house band. <laughs> that sounds like a nice idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, has anything surprised you doing it? Oh, yeah. The amount of work has surprised me. Um, <laughs> Just do, in producing the thing. I, I essentially self-produce it, and yeah. I love to add other things to the audio experience, whereas you're, uh, a guest could be telling a story, and I'll take clips from YouTube or somewhere else online or actually record stuff, field pieces, and try to edit them in. Um, I had MC Chris on, who is not a nerdcore rapper, but he's a rapper who talks about nerdy stuff. We... He called me on stage at the end of his show at Webster Hall, and we performed together. So, you know, that's that was a whole other thing, and then recording it, and then putting it in the right place into the podcast, and you know, so it's a lot of there's a lot of cutting and pasting that goes that's on, the, a lot of radio labbing, you know. That's the piece I don't like. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'll be the, those are the pieces. <laughs> ah, you just don't you don't realize that to select the right piece of music or the right beat or whatever uh-huh. it is to underscore the moment. And people who are generally just listening to this for one time only. Yeah. So it's disposable. And you put in <laughs> hours and hours and hours That's and hours of work into something that people may also be listening to at double the speed. That's right. I'll tell you something else <laughs> I used to do. In the early days of this show, there was an idea that uh, uh, things were going in a visual podcasting direction. Mm. So that uh, for Super Ego used to do this. Mm-hmm. And each chapter would have an image that would be specially created for whatever was talking. Oh, so wow. if you had a kind of like thing that represented the conversation of that bit, you'd put in a chapter and the chapter would come up with an image on the phone and you'd say, right. ha, ha. now no one watches the phone for yeah. an hour as you're listening to or however you're listening to the podcast. You're not watching whatever that device is. So 
hours went into seasons maybe two and three of finding these images, oh, photoshopping, my. doing all this stuff for nothing. Yeah. And even they gave it up. But I'm sure, you know, some people, there is a niche audience of people who do, oh, yeah, three, do that. Three know? people yeah. love to yeah. see <laughs> a, a funny Photoshop picture. Oh, uh, yes. You know, maybe the, the, I'm thinking of this now because maybe the future of podcasting is going into virtual reality. Oh, yeah. And now imagine uh, sitting around a table with these guests and you're actually sitting there watching them talk. How about that? Yeah. Everything's going virtual nowadays. You get those 3D videos. Yeah. You could do that. Yeah. Wouldn't somebody like to sit in this hot room with us? I know, right? <laughs> you guys are really missing a lot here. <laughs> no, it's a very comfortable s- setup, and I, you know, it feels so professional. And I oh, move. well. You know, uh, well, we have to thank Harvestworks for that, so it's nice to thank you, nice Harvestworks. Thank you, putting us out. And, uh, you know, you're such a natural conversationalist, too. Honed from, I'm sure, years of performing. I hope I don't interrupt it too much. <laughs> I was a communication major at, at college, so, you know. That's why. That can be a uh, BS major, but um, I actually learned a lot. I learned a lot about advertising and, and how it screws with our brains as well. So, But in addition to that, there's you learn about things about interpersonal speaking where there's some gap of time that is where the um, the discomfort comes into a conversation that makes another person want to say, um. Yes. So if we were talking right now and oh my God, I feel weird, you know? So like at that moment, you're like, I got to do something because, Yes. So there's all sorts of little rules in communication. Not to say I follow them. I'm just, that's just a tangent I'm going off on. Did you ever do anything with advertising? Um, I have avoided it. Um, or try, I, No, this is what um, I, I think it, it has taught me media literacy, where now when you can see an advertisement on a billboard and it's a pretty lady who's holding um, a a, a soft drink in their hands or whatever it, it, there's a difference up, up between where her eyes are looking and where the product is being held and there's a whole psychology behind it all you know the gaze of what you're looking at first on the billboard affects how you feel about the product so right you're all you're being managed Your yeah experience is being managed and it's one thing to be uh swept away into this fan- fantasy world but it's another one to see them and actually be able to kind of interpret it a little bit and it can help distance you from being um hoodwinked or whatever you know <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it's nice to be hoodwinked oh sometimes it? it's nice <laughs> that's another one of those like the shockwave thing if you can get hoodwinked <laughs> i'm um, not sure what that would be but maybe you get hoodwinked and then shockwaved <laughs> oh my <laughs> that's an afternoon but um your origins are in theater or not um my origins um were you a theater kid I was an improv kid. Improv kid. Mm-hmm. So while I was doing communication at UMass Amherst, the um, my extracurriculars, I've always been very diverse. Like in high school, I would do a, a million things at once from yearbook to debate to all the orchestras and stuff like that. But in UMass, it was the um, communication, but what took precedent was my improv troupe, Mission Improvable, but we also started a long-form improv group, and there was a sketch group also underneath the same umbrella. So, you know, sort of like majoring in communication was kind of like majoring in improv yeah. <laughs> in a way because yeah. a lot of the same rules apply. The rules that are set on stage in improv, the quote-unquote rules, yes-anding uh, a scene to continue the narrative or telling the story is the same thing as yes-anding in conversation. If you and I were not yes-anding each other, this conversation would hit the wall. Yes. You know, very quickly. <laughs> yes. So um, a lot of the same <laughs> rules apply. So I guess, I don't know, improv background, but also lots of other stuff. You know, well, I should say yes-and. 
there you go. <laughs> Those rules always trip me up. Yeah, in the well, long form improv and all in the that. end there are no rules. These That's are just, the thing that drives me crazy about you know, it to put you in on the right track. Yes, well, I've talked about it, but my time with UCB was uh, uh, productive, and I'm happy to have done it mm-hmm. more now than while I was actually doing it because I can say that I was there, and uh, you know it introduced me to people, which mm-hmm. I think was great. Yeah. But the actual being up there and then having to play a game all of a sudden, mm-hmm. I just, I don't know if I'm wired for that. Mm. And then when they said everything's about the rules, and then the rules can be broken and thrown out after three levels of 300 bucks a pop or whatever yeah. it was, you start to get a little, well, let's, let's just be funny And as the years here. go by, oh, you can throw them out after four classes, <laughs> after five classes. <laughs> right. It's funny, the, the Annoyance Theater is um, now in town. Uh, they have a theater and a school set up in Brooklyn, and they're from Chicago. And I've taken some classes with them and some um, many little like one-on-one workshops with some of the higher teachers. And I really respect and love their philosophy because it's almost in complete contrast to the UCB, where the UCB is very much about um, catering to your scene partner and taking care of each other and yes-anding what they say so that you can build and then they yes-and you. And if you're just helping each other, then you can't go wrong. Yeah. But annoyance is more so about... F your partner. It's not about them. It's about you. And if everybody's taking care of themselves, then you don't have to worry about each other. So um, <laughs> right. there's there's a place where they both they come together. You know, uh-huh. it's not as if you're going to have an argument on stage. But, you know, at the end, there are no rules. So whether you're taking care of yourself or your partner, you should be also doing both. That, if that makes sense. <laughs> as long as it's funny. Yeah, as long as it's funny. Yeah. It naturally lends itself to being funny. You know, yeah. but yeah. Usually people are there wanting it to be funny, so that that well, helps. Fake laughing from the back of the house. <laughs> That's right. But were you, uh, you're, you are known, and you are uh, known as a, someone who coughs. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, you have. You're known as a beatboxer. I am. And uh, uh, but were you uh, percussively inclined as a child? Were you playing? I drums? was. I went through um, many different instruments. I think before I found my own, which is my body. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, but I played piano and saxophone and trumpet um, and then finally settled with percussion because I think I am sort of, like I said, I did a lot of other activities and things. I have kind of an ADD mind where in the percussion section there's a lot of different other choices within the choice of percussion. So I grew up playing percussion and got sort of minimal skills on every one of the instruments. I owned a, a vibraphone. I can kind of play drum set as yeah. I've done with Wonderful Wonderful. Yeah. Um, our show and um, so the percussive quality kind of lent itself as a thread through my life into improv into performing and then um, embodying percussive elements within performance and now here we are today well something that strikes me as you're talking and as we're thinking through this um, the percussion is really the rhythm of things Mm. you're interested in the rhythm of communications when there's Mm. a moment that drops out when there's a pause when you're inclined to jump in it seems like it's all tied together i mean Mm. that is i mean there's so much of comedy and improv is timing yeah but it's it's also this timing (laughs) (laughs) isn't it yeah i mean there's a there's a you're attracted to that the rhythm of uh how we interact Let's hope that in my old age, the that thread becomes easier and easier to see. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? It's so that's difficult. good. I, I appreciate that observation. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Just going to put it out there. And uh, so, uh, what, Sarah, 
if you weren't necessarily, you were doing the instruments, sorry, mm-hmm. sometimes it yeah. takes me a moment to get my thoughts collected, um, and it wasn't necessarily theater, but what was like the, the tape that you were wearing out, or I don't really have a sense of your age, maybe a CD that you just played the heck out of all the time? Oh, are you talking about um, actual music? Yeah, as, as, other than, well... Something sort of throughout, you know... As um, a young person, what was like the, the, the album that you were drawn to? You know, um, it's funny, there's, I mean, and, and especially nowadays, now that we live sort of in this um, single um, culture, by single I mean, you know, things that are, you know, we live in the iPod shuffle age, even if it's Spotify, where right. our interests can be so diverse and... You know, it would, you used to feel like you either like hip hop or you don't, or you like country <laughs> or you don't, or you only love speed metal or something like that. But right. I feel as though um, a, a theme in my life when it comes to listening to music, and I think that it's more so of a thing now, is what I'm getting at, is that if it's good, it's good, and you like it. Um, so my my interests have been very diverse, and they've been everything from... Beastie Boys and De La Soul and Tribe Called Quest when all hip-hop was kind of coming to a forefront, but all built on the spine of, like, Fugazi and Converge and Cave-In, like, all these, like, hardcore bands from near my area when I was growing up. So it's, like, those two things being so different kind of coming together. There's just there's a lot out there that's good. So I can't really name one thing. Yeah, that's okay. My, all right, that's, that's fair my enough. long-ass answer to your <laughs> simple question. No, that's all right. I like to know where the influences are. <laughs> yeah, me too. And I think that, that addresses it, because those things have kind of uh, intermingled a lot, too, yeah. I think. now. Not just, I have this song and this song, but they've influenced each other. Yeah. I definitely yeah. think the Beastie Boys, though, I think for me, because you know, it is the gateway drug of white people into hip-hop, and I am a white person <laughs> doing hip-hop for majority of my career, so... Um, it gave me permission. It also gave me like the punk rock background that they also have, um, and just the fun party light lightheartedness at the same time. So, yeah, if I were to name one, that's what it would be. I think. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of middle school dances with a fight for your right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and once the monkey one, right? Mm. That was them. No, fight. No fight for your right was the was um illing, licensed to ill. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the monkeys. You're talking about Brass Monkey? Yeah. 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 That was on the same album. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're right. <laughs> oh, good. <We're> here. <laughs> <laughs> For a minute, I was questioning everything. Uh, <laughs> so you mentioned the fun that the BC Boys put out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that uh, also ha- a little bit of how you got into the comedy thing? I mean, you, know, you, you found improv in college, but were you already drawn to comedy in general? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they're, if they're um, directly sourced for my reason for getting into comedy but um but they integrate a little bit the sense yeah of, i mean the songs that we named yeah certainly yeah. there's a great uh, yeah, yeah, sense yeah. of comedy that's yeah happening absolutely there. i mean i've always my my friend circle has always been rooted in humor yeah um there's to me i think if you don't have a sense of humor you don't have a sense of self it's a hard <laughs> right. thing to wrap your head around taking life not so seriously while you're also taking life seriously if you can't recognize the dissonance and laugh about it you know absolutely so yeah humor so but you found uh, you you knew that the improv group was going or you, you helped found it in college um i was in a group in high school as well oh my gosh uh, a, i didn't a, even know what improv, improv was yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we did either you know? <laughs> a lot of it was making it up as you go along you know and I yeah think that's where a lot of these like short form games come from you know you 
they're ones that are standards, and then you kind of tailor them to talents in the group. And Does somebody have a book, though? There are books out, yeah. <laughs> but back then, there was very little resources. That, that's what yeah. I mean. Yeah. How did you even know to do it? Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, if people it, weren't just uh, restaging SNL skits. I mean, yeah, right. Well, sketches. that's probably what part of that comes from. But, you know, Commedia, Commedia dell'arte has been around for whatever, millions of years. Yeah, but, but it doesn't always filter down to the high school. Yeah. There? I think within theater departments, though, there's always been inherently improv exercises. I guess so, yeah. So, like, how much do you put that on display and how much do you use it to crawl around the room pretending like you're a color in order to get ready for a part? <laughs> you know? So, uh, blue. I would be blue. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would too. Probably different shades. Yeah. yeah. Uh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> but um, now, when we, uh, because I really got to know you, I think, through the comedy mm-hmm. world. Yeah. Um, I know you've done all these other things, but uh, it, it only, be, it only, you only became sort of a, a light on the horizon for me once I started seeing your name pop up through the comedy shows mm-hmm. and things. So that's why, uh, I ask about that, but how do you feel like the training in improv uh, accelerated or enhanced your abilities with beatboxing? Mm. Well, I have to say that, um, you know, a lot of this has been, a lot of my training and a lot of upcoming in improv and in comedy and in music has all um, kind of culminated within my experience within Freestyle Love Supreme, right? Um, this group that I'm in. And we've been together for about 10 years. And when I talk about coming up with new short form games and, you know, what we're saying, like, where's the book on it and how much do we come up with and how much do we mimic? um, This group is a musical improv hip hop comedy theater mashup of sorts, where it's always very hard to have a description to. um, But what you're essentially seeing is a show with a theatrical format that's comprised of maybe six or seven songs and each song has a different structure to it and it's all based in improv so uh in more specifically freestyle rapping mm-hmm. so i'm part of the band of this it's me and uh, a keyboard player or two and three or four rapper singers that are a part of it and so we've we adapted a lot of short form improv game ideas as well as coming up with brand new ideas that would use freestyle rapping to tell stories, to play a character, uh, to take something from the audience and really weave it into a into some beautiful um, web of if this didn't happen, then this would happen or something like that. Um, so uh, me being a musical type and experimenting with beatboxing and what that means in comedy and what that means with accompanying other people, I saw... Freestyle Love Supreme perform at the People's Improv Theater about, I don't know, like 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were just sort of in their experimental phase at the time. And it was Anthony Vinicielli, who was sort of the the host, or he was like the creator of the group, um, and he has a strong improv background as well. And Lin-Manuel Miranda, the, um, you know, the guy who behind Hamilton. And Bill Sherman, who is orchestrator of In the Heights, like oh, they're all everybody's out in the world bigger than I am now. That's what I feel like. <laughs> uh, but uh, you're doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it is the kind of thing that Freestyle Love Supreme, though. It's kind of like that famous production of Godspell, where it's like Gilda Radner and Eugene. It's like meta group. Yeah, yeah. Catherine O'Hara. Yeah. Yeah. Um, everybody that was in that became something. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, we're all on our way. If we're not already there, 
Um, so uh, seeing them, uh, it stirred something yeah. in you. you so said, what they were is, doing was like almost it. a workshopping of uh, these songs of, of sorts. And I was, at the time, my act, which still still is, is you know taking a word from the audience and then improvising a soundscape, sort of playing a character. If I was a, you know, I'd walk out as an old man and of the cane and then the would turn into a ball and then I wah, 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 open a door there's a baby there you know like try to tell a story and fill in the imagination between me and the audience to try to tell what the story is through mime and sounds and whatnot so I was sort of doing this and people were saying you should really check out this group uh, and I saw them and I was like uh, yeah these guys have talent in a way that I've never seen before because I've worked with rappers and and um hip-hop and comedy and improv but i've never seen it put together in such an intelligent way yeah they're embodying characters telling stories and all that fully realized yeah but let, let's just go back for a second because that was your act for lack of a better word was to to do the yeah. comedy just using the sound mm-hmm. at what point did you take away words I never really used words. Throughout the, the improv thing, you were always... Well, when I was doing you know, regular improv in classes and yeah. being on practice teams and, and whatnot, it was just you know, straight-up improv. But So at what point do you just say, you know what, for this one, I'm going to make some this is when I was <laughs> mouth sounds. performing solo uh-huh. and uh, you know, realizing that I have this talent of sorts um, in beatboxing and defining my own personal niche and how uh, that sort of sets me apart from what I, I don't know you know like can I perform solo like yes uh, can I tell stories yes can I improvise yes so to me it was putting all those things just together and doing what felt the most natural um, and so that that still to this day is sort of a thing that I do but you know as an as an artist trying to figure out more and more what to do I'm working with instruments and you know I right. like to accompany other people so it's it's sort of this thing that's given me the ability to do all sorts of different types of performing and accompanying and storytelling right and and so with freestyle love supreme then mm-hmm. you you connect up with them mm-hmm. and you're you're integrated as part of the band and yeah. doing some of these yeah they were doing everything bits. to um basically to instrumentals and I had my skill set um, and being able to be a drummer and to stop on a dime or to slow down or to speed up or to become a character um, so when I saw what they were doing I was like this I could what I'm doing is a skill set that is not being involved that's not being utilized within what they're doing because they would just hit play and then freestyle they'd have like a love battle where instead of tearing each other down it would be about building each other up and that would be a game and then um you know asking people from the audience what's a mistake that you made in your life and then they would play it out and then do another version of it where it saves the world something like that but it would all be connected to the time of the instrumental so um when i i didn't know any of them i just saw them and met them and then we kind of um had some rehearsals together and then it kind of like there was something I'm not Tommy our director who is also director of Hamilton always makes fun of me because he likes to say that I came up and met them afterwards and it was like hi I'm Shockwave I can make your group better <laughs> but it was not like that it was just like when we all came together like something else clicked that gave the group legs yeah that we could now become more malleable on stage and um from there we got a, a run at Ars Nova Theater and we went to the Aspen Comedy Festival, we went to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, the Melbourne Comedy Festival, Montreal, 
did shows in London, weddings in Florida, you know, <laughs> bar mitzvahs <laughs> in right. New Jersey, you know, <laughs> like it, it, that's when it took off. Well, that's a lot of what it's like, isn't it? Yeah, basically. It, I mean, yeah. you hit all those spots, and that's who, that's where people are gonna yeah come out yeah. and see you, and then and so uh, it's that interaction, the exchange that makes it a success, mm-hmm. yeah. and and then everyone has gone on to that much more. <laughs> Success. Yeah. Well, to a large st- extent, a lot of that stuff is already happening. Yeah. Lynn was writing in the Heights at the time, and th- and actually, Freestyle Love Supreme from fr- uh, was birthed from the rehearsal process of In the Heights. Yeah. So they were developing Anthony Vinciali, who I mentioned, who was the founder um, with Freestyle Love Supreme, also kind of created it with Lynn as they were freestyling in between rehearsals of In the Heights because Anthony's and Tommy's production company called Backhouse Productions was in the basement of the drama bookshop. They were the first resident theater company in the basement of the drama bookshop. And they were workshopping in the Heights. And so in the rehearsals, they would go back and freestyle just for fun. And then that's when Anthony's improv experience mixed with um, his and Lynn's amazing uh, freestyle talents. And Chris Jackson, who's also in Hamilton, would come and sing. And now you have this like beautiful velvety voice over it. And Bill Sherman, who they you know would play keys, and who's now the musical director of Sesame Street, you know, <laughs> it, uh, so like they're all already actively pursuing dreams, and then this was kind of like a little <laughs> that popped out the side, <laughs> you know, like a like a beautiful little uh, side project that yeah. has helped us all. Yeah, and is there um, uh, any feelings of uh, wanting to be included in that Hamilton business? Uh, there's not really a, a, a place for me in that. Yeah. I'm not a singer. Um, I, I of course I tease Lynn all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even in In the Heights, I was like, okay, so and I and I would come and sit and see rehearsals, and I knew all the cast members, and we would record all these little like mini publicity videos. There's tons of them online where it's just like him and I, him freestyling. We're like on a train platform and stuff like that. Right. Um, so I'm always like, you know, I'd be like, oh, so when's my entrance? Is it, <laughs> should I stand in the back? Like, am I the guy pushing the piragua, like selling the, um, you know, <laughs> which president do I play? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody had to have a good sense of rhythm. Yeah. One of them. Well, uh, I think that speaks to, to, to this point in that, uh, I, of course, I knew your talent. I think it became more um, obviously working with you. I got to see it up close, and I've come to see you and do other things where I'm also just amazed at how fast and how uh, agile uh, a mind you possess to be able to do the beatboxing and set everything in motion. But also <laughs> that you're a decent guy. I mean, among uh, the many people that I've worked with, you're a solid guy. And that uh, uh, really... It um, it made an impression on me uh, just from organizing the show, working with you. So thank you. But it seems like all of these uh, 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 folks that you're surrounded with and that you've interacted with, there's a kind of decent core there. Yeah, that comes through. And I don't I don't know uh, Lynn at all, but it comes through. Yeah, that here's just a solid guy. Yeah, yeah. That's I gonna mean, feel you, good. You really have to be in life. I mean, you don't have to be, mm. but. <laughs> You know, um, sometimes being a solid guy can um, can get you places that talent can't. Right? Well said. <laughs> I certainly agree. You know, 
it's like I'd showing try. up showing up early or on time for something is like half the battle. Oh my gosh! So if you're late, then you're unreliable. You know, and, yeah. and I am always late. So like, I'm <laughs> glad we're not talking about that. We have rehearsals at uh, Andrew Bancroft's house for Employee of the Month, or if I'm playing with Moon Drunk with his band, yeah. or something like that. And I live in Brooklyn, and he lives in Brooklyn, but I live in Williamsburg, and he lives uh, near the park. And right. those are like two different boroughs. So not easily accessed. Google lies. <laughs> so like, when you look at Google to see how long it's going to take you to get there, I'm always a half hour after that. <laughs> so it's not on time, but thank you for the kind words. Yeah. Well, thank you for being that kind of a person in this uh, in this world. Um, it's it's something that we don't celebrate enough. I, I think you get some of the some of the bad actors out there, and mm. they get all the attention. Um, but things don't always work out, do they? Things not everything is a success. Out. And, uh, you know, we've done this wonderful, wonderful show a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to put you on the spot. and But you're, you're so great in it. I think everybody's great in it. It's a talented group of people that come together. But I'm, I'm genuinely puzzled. We've done it three times. It's not real critical mass there of, like, doing it enough where it gets mm-hmm. a lot of buzz. But, and it's easy to blame time slot or not enough PR or none of that. But what do you feel like with that particular thing? How come it doesn't reach out, reach out beyond? Mm. You know, when you get a group of town of people together, a decent enough concept. It's easy to communicate. Yeah. But you, you don't get the audience. You know, somewhere. there's a show that uh, was at Joe's Pub, and I'm, I'm pretty sure you're aware of it, called Our Hit Parade. Yes. Love it. Um, and Neil Medlin, Bridget Everett, and Kenny Melman were the um, hosts of the show and the bookers and whatever. They all had different responsibilities. But it's based on an old show from the whatever's, uh, whatever date it is, called My Hit Parade. And it was a radio show that would be the top 10 countdown. Yes. And so this show was our hit parade, which was a um, not it was very loosely constructed around the top 10. Um, and it was different performers interpretations of these songs, which could be anything from, you know, like rolling around in a pool of jello and, and <laughs> singing the song of, of whatever that, you know, that reminds you of that or or a beautifully artistic interpretation or just doing the song straight up but naked yeah like literally this is these are things that happened at the show um and it was a hit and it and it was a um the birthing place for a lot of things that i was doing a lot of the collaborations it really helped fuel bridget to her place where she is right now and like and molly pope really came out of our hit parade yeah um and a lot of other talents. So there's there's definitely this niche for that, and performers love to interpret things, and that's what we do in Wonderful, Wonderful. I think maybe the 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 niche of it being a Lawrence Welk um, tribute might be so niche, it may be like, uh, in order for me to go to this show that I just read about in Time Out, I need to be a fanatic about Lawrence Welk. Right. And uh, when people see the show, they love it no matter what. But sometimes, it, you know, what's the what's the cover of the book look like? Yeah. But the book could be great. But if the if it feels like it's if it's themed a certain way, it may be, uh, you know, might turn people away. Yeah. No, I so. think that's fair. And I, I uh, have probably misjudged based on my own love of the program, how wide, uh, <laughs> widely available that is to everybody or where people are of it as a. Just a format. Yeah. Similar I mean, to I had to parade. Google Lawrence Welk. No offense. No, no. I, just I to even know, it. you know? Yeah. And so even that, even like hearing something about a, a, a name that you don't know, 
like first of all why would you go see it and second of all i have to like do extra work to find out about it you know <laughs> yeah so the the show itself is a solid success and i wouldn't say anything about the way it was formatted or what like it's beautiful yeah. we're all wearing matching stuff there's amazing costumes and and, <laughs> and talent on stage and diversity and all this like but like that's the only thing i would say was like just give it a give it a makeover what yeah. it looks like retool it a little yeah, bit or not yeah just the way that it, what's what it's called you know that's i it. think because of our hit parade mm-hmm. i was uh, uh timid to to be too close to that mm-hmm. and uh didn't want to because i love all of those people yeah. and they've all been on the show and uh, i respect what they've done so i didn't want to just do our hit parade yeah um yeah but in a sense it's quite close yeah so how do you how do you find the hook yeah i think it's just a different hook yeah. and everything else can stay the same well, you know you host it the same way and you know leslie is an amazing accompanist or however else goes along with it to make it a make it run the same way it did but just um you know call it like the top 10 something or i don't know or like maybe whatever the spin is you know but that's the that's the interesting thing like that's kind of like overlying everything i think we're talking about where there's like you got to have a niche you got to have a a spin you got to have a character or something to identify with or you know we're always trying to find out what that is but well i I appreciate you thinking through it a little bit too and given your communications background it's very helpful Mm. uh to me well i brought a couple diagrams here so it's like look back here where's my laser pointer (laughs) ah it's that's the trickiest thing i think to me is figuring out just the hook the branding the whatever it Mm. is um, because everything can be in place, but it can still not break through. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I haven't solved it. Yeah, but the thing is, you're doing it, and you can always retool it and fix it. And, yeah. You know, I was just telling, um, just talking with somebody yesterday, a good friend of mine who's a model but also plays violin, and she's having like creative issues about all of her career choices and whatnot and she's yeah. like i really i think i really would love to sing and i like write poetry and i was like that's great and then we started talking about lady gaga yeah and she basically like constructed this identity and you know she was singing she like had this little mediocre career and like was on a mtv reality show and you know as whatever her real name is yeah and, stephanie yeah but now and now look at her and she like went big and just came like came up with this huge identity and filled it you know Right, borrowing liberally from some things that existed well, out yes, there. Yes, yes. But you know, and Diane Word, the um, South African uh-huh. yeah. rap group, like you can find videos online where they're doing kid shows, <laughs> like they're playing. They're not doing these characters. Like the, they've created these characters and grown into them, and now like <laughs> talk about extreme, you know? Yeah, and they're like art house rap in such a crazy amazing way but it took them several tries to get there not being booked on too many children's shows now. <laughs> yeah not not too much anymore Kids i don't parties. think yeah i think they <laughs> killed one in their last video <laughs> uh well in addition to the podcast mm-hmm. what are some things you have going on in the in the works right now in the shockwave universe nothing really to promote i guess just the podcast i don't really um I have things that are going on, but nothing that um, requires the mass diversion of your audience to go tune into. <laughs> I um, hopefully I will be going out to LA for a little while to be working on a little TV, little TV project. But um, 
as in this business, everything is always up in the air until it actually happens. Yeah. So I don't, almost don't want to jinx that too much, but um, such is life. Oh, and oh, so we're recording. This is one thing, I guess. So Freestyle Love Supreme has um, we have a television show. Yes. That was on Pivot, which is a network that very little people have heard of. Um, <laughs> yes. And then it was on iTunes. And uh-huh. now CISO, the online streaming platform uh, owned by NBC, yes. has picked up the show. Oh, that's great. So we're filming some additional footage. This Friday, I'm, uh, Lynn and I are doing some other footage or, I don't know, interviews or little mini performances or something like that to sprinkle throughout this 10-episode series called Freestyle Love Supreme that will be available on CISO at some point, maybe the end of the summer. Well, I'm a fan of CISO, yeah. and uh, they have a lot of great comedy content on there. Yeah. So uh, that'll be uh, that'll be one and done kind of a thing, and then you'll see yeah, what happens from that. It's a, it's a, it, yeah, it, we've already got the 10 episodes, and it's it's filmed like... It's really hard to put improvisation on a screen yeah. because it's it was improvised, and when you're watching it later, the moments that you even remember from being in the room were the most amazing moments in seemingly pulled out of thin air from God himself, uh, now on screen look like, uh, what was that? Like, you guys couldn't write that? I know it's improvised, but couldn't you have written it? That's why it's so easy for improv to fall flat on screen. But what we have done in Freestyle Love Supreme television show was film it uh, live from all different angles using GoPros and um, cameras on the audience and cameras on stage to really uh, immerse the audience in the experience of the live performance of our show, as well as little narrative bits that go throughout every episode that are like little interesting, fun insights into specific characters that are in the, in the show. So it's really fun. And yeah. if you're a fan of improv, I encourage you to check it out. Cause it's, it's so hard to capture that, uh, whatever that invisible energy exchange exactly. between the audience and the performer especially with improvisation exactly. i would think yeah. um, it's tough enough to watch video of a theatrical performance it's so yeah it's always dead and it's interesting that reality tv is is such a big thing right now but i have a couple friends who work in reality television that have been uh, producers and work on the shows and 90 percent of it is scripted Oh, yeah. All of these things are. When you see a fight happen, when you see this happen, or like a heartbreaking thing, or, or you know, they came up with this great idea, like it's all it's all scripted out. Listen, I used to date a gal that ran the production department for mm. reality TV. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's an art department and a yeah. production department for yeah. reality TV. Yeah, exactly. That should tell you something. Yeah. But then, so one day it's like, well, uh, misplace the coffee maker and see what happens. Okay, well, then D. Snyder is upset about his coffee, and then yeah. that's a whole episode. Yeah. You know, short sheet Sean Young. Well, yeah. you yeah. know, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he may all... even know that the coffee maker is going to be displaced. Yes. Like, so we're going, yeah. like, you're going to look for the coffee, so just so you don't freak out, freak out. <laughs> yeah, right. You know? And for the tight shot, you want to get really upset. Yeah. So, okay, can we, st- can we cut? We're going to do this again, okay? <laughs> Let's get right. it from this angle. And you can, and talking about media literacy, when you're looking at advertisements, you can watch TV and see these things too, because how the hell did you get that camera angle? Yes. And then you can just imagine, like, stop, like, push stop on the show in your mind, and then rewind it and put yourself in the room and just imagine what happened before they called action. <laughs> right. And it can really tell you a lot of just by watching something and be like, you did not just come up with that on the spot. Yeah, you just have to take one step yeah. <laughs> with your own mind yeah. and think it through. 
Well, one uh, 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 sort of final question here is when I when I watch you do anything, you just the beats just come out of you. Mm. So, do you have a uh, library of beats in your mind that you draw on? Do you, for instance, if I was to do, I do some drawing sometimes. Sometimes I have an idea of what I want to draw. Sometimes I just set down to the uh, paper mm. and let it go, and then I respond to the line as I'm as I'm drawing or something. What's it like for you? Are you are you you have like you see what's happening and you say, okay, this is the beat I'm going to kind of beat I'm going to use and. I'll hmm. adjust or tune up or tune down as I go. Well, this is it's this is interesting, right? There's there's people who see me perform and they're like, "You're the best beatboxer ever," and I am, will never take credit for that and never take credit for trying to be the best beatboxer ever. There are thousands, uh, nay, dozens. No, there are thousands <laughs> that are better. Hundreds of thousands of kids all over this world that are that are hundred times better than than me you know so but what I do is is something specific to to me as a performer and um, as a drummer as a musician first I love to accompany other artists and to know when to solo and to know when to fade in the background you know they say in theater that the best lighting design is done when you don't notice the lights yeah and so for me to accompany another artists in doing whatever they're doing I want them to shine and I want for me to not let them know that I'm there to support them and to sort of stick out where the drummer would do the fill um and I also don't like to uh you know a lot of times people are also like who's better you or this person or it's like you don't do that in music you know oh you play piano who are you better than this piano player like it's just like no you know you're a, you're a musician. So to answer your question, I love answering questions by saying totally other <laughs> different I'm, things I'm, first. I'm right with you. <laughs> um, I believe that I have, uh, if you were to imagine, like if you're drawing and you have ideas in your mind that are there, and there are new ones that are out there, but um, I have sort of a drum kit of sounds that I would go to on a, on a regular basis, and then it's the combination of how I use those. Now, some people have... A, much larger drum kit and they can make inhale whistle sounds while they're singing and breathing at the same time um (laughs) and while it'd be nice to have that like i don't i don't i don't need that drum kit sound in my in my repertoire at this time so i have my 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 little things here and there um So those that's I guess that's the answer. And also, you know, if I had that inhale throat whistle while humming and singing and breathing at the same time, that is it's it's such a shiny object. And if I'm accompanying people for the most part and if I'm performing on stage as a character telling stories for the most part, that shiny object has no need to be in my drum kit. I don't need that gong symbol if I'm not So you don't bring it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, I bring it. Yeah, I, no, I, yes, yeah, but you leave that one in the uh, in the case. Yeah, or I just like <laughs> I see it in the store, and I'm like, that's nice. <laughs> well, I think it's amazing. I really do. I think what you do is, man, you you have won the best beatboxing, though, haven't you? Some kind of competition? No, no, no. I don't. I don't. I don't. Kind you, of you don't at need the core to. of things. I don't really believe in competition. Um, I and I and I love it. There's beatbox battles that are all over the world, and and amazing talent comes out of it. And I think it does uh, push innovation and um, 
and pushes, you know, in general, just like humanity to be bigger and brighter, you know, because if you don't, if you're not pushing yourself, then who else is going to push you? Somebody else. Um, so there's amazing talents that are out there, but I generally shy away from like competing, not necessarily that I'm afraid to lose, but like, I just don't really, <laughs> okay, I'm afraid to lose. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? From failure comes success. So I bring it on. Well, I think that's a terrific note to end on, and mm-hmm. I think it speaks, again, to your generous spirit and uh, your amazing range of talent. So thank you uh, for spending some time with me. Thank you. Thank you, Dale. All right. We'll, uh, we'll see you again soon. Take care. Boom. Ta-ba. Ta-boom. Boom. Ba. I mean, can I do it? or <laughs> It felt close, right? Oh, well, we all have our talents that we should stick to. Some of us don't have any talents. But it was a great conversation, and uh, we could have talked for hours, I tell you. You keep an eye out for all that Chris, uh, all that Shockwave does. He doesn't participate in things that aren't great. So if you see his name on the bill, you are in for a good time. And, hey, speaking of good times, I'm going to give a shout-out here to Katie Lazarus. Uh, Shockwave and Eric uh, Biondo and Andrew Bancroft, they're all in the band for her show, among some other uh, folks that I, I, I don't know as well. Uh, the show is called Employee of the Month. It just wrapped a sensational season at Joe's Pub. Katie is a force of nature. She's defying all the odds. She's ho- hosting a talk show. Can you imagine a bright and funny and brilliant woman hosting a talk show? Well, it can happen, folks. And it's been happening here in New York uh, for a number of years, and she's great. Uh, for my money, absolute best in the business. Her show recently, uh, listen to this, John Hamm, Titus Burgess, uh, Patti Lapone. I mean, that's just one of the dream nights that happens in New York. It's why you moved to New York. And it's an absolute pleasure, and it's an honor to be a fan of hers and to call her my friend. Uh, congratulations to Katie on a wonderful season. Please keep doing the great work in America. Get hip to her show. It's fantastic. Uh and, you know, that's, that's, that's the thing. That's what I hope comes across uh, from this uh, show in particular, that we're all, we're all in this together. I'll endlessly support the comedy community of New York. You think the city is going to be mean and ruthless, and, yes, at times I've wanted to poison a person or two or slowly uh, using a toxic tincture added to their Brooklyn lagers. But the majority of the time, we're all rising and falling together, and it's important to support one another. That's how you get to great things like Hamilton, our hit parade, Showgasm, Employee of the Month, all these wonderful shows, by lending support and going to see each other and doing the work anyhow. That's, uh, that's, that's what I started thinking about. And uh, I appreciate you listening to this program, folks, and for all of your support. Till next time, I'll be heading out to the Memorial Day Craft Fair and Auto Show to debut my version of My Sharona, as played on my homemade Celeste built entirely out of empty whiskey bottles and old shaving razors. Now let's get back to that great music that we all enjoy. Dale Radio is written and performed by James Bewley, musical director Steve O'Reilly. Season theme composed and performed by Shockwave. Podcast icon for season eight designed by Jenny Fine. Listen to Dale on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher Radio. And follow the program on Twitter, at Dale Radio, or on Instagram, at Dale Seaver. If you'd like Dale to come to your local VFW or Elks Lodge, simply drop us a line at Radio at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. You're the best.